Hi, I'm Paul Stringfellow and welcome to episode 50 of Tech Interviews. To help celebrate the Big 5.0, we talk about big capacities and how you handle petabytes of data in billions of files as we discuss scale-out NAS. So, settle back and enjoy our big 50th bash. Enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to Tech Interviews, another show that um, I've, uh, I've managed to record here at NetApp Insight uh, 2017 here in Berlin. Uh, and I'm joined by uh, a recurring guest on the podcast, um, uh, the, the one and only Justin Parisi. Hi, Justin. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. It's been so long. It has, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, uh, behind the curtain secret, we have recorded these two episodes back to back, stood at the same table which is bizarrely wet, uh, the table. The table is wet. Uh, yeah. I don't know why you chose this table. There were other tables less wet, but yeah, that's okay. O- other tables that were indeed dry. Yes. Um, so I wanted to just kind of pick your uh, pick brains on something that uh, is something that we're seeing more and more interest around, and uh, NetApp have got an interesting solution around this. So, so one of the things that we're seeing a lot is that um, pe- people requiring this kind of much bigger bucket of storage capability, if you like. So rather than lots of data being split into little little volumes of, of storage area, but actually requiring really large, sizable chunks of storage. So, um, so that's the kind of topic I, I, I want to pick on. But um, before we do this, for people who've not heard you on the podcast, or i.e. the last episode, um, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, and how people can contact you uh, on, on the lines. Yeah, I'm uh, Justin Parisi. I am a technical marketing engineer here at NetApp. I do ONTAP and I do Flex Groups, and you can find me on Twitter at NFS Dude Abides, or at my blog, whyisetheinternetbroken.com. So, um, well, Flex Groups is, uh, is, is one of your, your topics there. So, so why don't we talk about that? So, so this idea of requiring a really big bucket of storage. So, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about what a Flex Group is mm-hmm. and then w- why we need such a thing. So a Flex Group is it's interesting because you, you keep you know saying large capacity. And while it is good for that, that's not all it's good for, right? Um, so a Flex Group is essentially a series of Flex Balls that are grouped together at, and they're attached through hard links and on tap. So, uh, you know, from a client perspective, all they see is a large bucket. They see a single mount point, and they can access multiple volumes in the system without having to think about it. ONTAP does all the balancing for you. Um, you can distribute this volume uh, container across a single node or multiple nodes and multiple aggregates. Uh, by doing multiple nodes, you're able to leverage all that hardware you paid for, whereas with a FlexFall, you had to just be basically isolated to the single node. Um, in addition to that, a flex fall was also kind of isolated to a single thread in a CPU for metadata operations. And with high file count environments, we were seeing that be problematic for people because with a serial process, you have to wait for it to complete to move on to the next one. Uh, with a flex group, we're able to take on more ingest of data and more metadata operations because we can spread that out across multiple flex falls. So that gives you more parallelization of your metadata operations, which in turn gives you better performance. So while you can grow very large in a flex group, so you know you think about a flex fall being 100 terabytes, well, it's 100 terabytes times n numbers of member volumes, so we can go into the multi-petabytes, hundreds of petabyte range. Uh, it can also be a performance gain because you can do smaller containers and have them stream across multiple flex falls and give that parallel access. Um, and the, and you know, the third thing we try to focus on with the flex group is simplicity. So previously in ONTAP, you could take multiple flex walls and junction them together and mount them together, but that was kind of a management headache because you had to deal with export policies and rules, you had to mount them, you had to move them all around, you had to figure out where the applications were going to write to. With a flex group, the idea is to be able to roll out a single uh, mount, a single namespace, 
And then you know you can access that uh, through a client, whether it's SMB or NFS uh, V3, and you know you just start writing to it. And you don't think about where everything is. You have a single export policy to manage. You have a single container to manage. So here's a question then: uh, why? why? Why do you need to be able to do those things? Well, so one of the reasons why you need to do that is, you know, like I said, the Flexfall itself was kind of isolated to a single node, which you know it's worked for a while, but you know you have the aspect of you buy all these large clusters. Like if you buy a two-node cluster, for the most part, you're using 50% of that cluster for that flexball. But if I buy an eight-node cluster, I'm using one-eighth of that yeah. cluster for my processing, right? So with applications growing and needing more resources and needing lower latency and needing you know better throughput and needing more space, uh, the only logical solution was the evolution of that flexball into a true scale-out solution, to truly scale out across the entire cluster so that we could offer something that leverages all of your hardware and gives you more efficient use of your storage space. So, so what kind of things, because obviously changes like that are driven by a customer demand, you know, so customer, the, right. the industry require this kind of thing. So, so what kind of things are people starting to do that's driving this need for, and you're right, you know, obviously I told, you know, in my head I'm, I'm kind of looking at this as these big buckets of storage, mm -hmm. but obviously there's, there's other aspects to that in terms of performance. So, so what kind of things are people starting to do that has driven this change from NetApp? Yeah, so initially this was targeted for the uh, electronic design automation uh, workloads. So, you know, the chip designers, software development, uh, workloads that required a large amount of ingest of files, and, and small files, right? You know, 4K files or, you know, 8K files, just very small operations. Uh, something that could easily parallel across multiple volumes and multiple nodes. Um, but what it also can do is it can take over those workloads that previously owned by Infinite Volume, right? So Infinite Volume had the concept of an archival system, a large bucket of storage, uh, backup repositories, that sort of thing. So it can become that. Um, we are seeing media and entertainment workloads uh, make sense because you can grow the throughput based on how many nodes you scale out to. So you can you know, seamlessly scale out performance as well as capacity. Uh, if you need to grow as your application grows, you have more nodes, you have more members, whatever you want to do, and you do that all non-disruptively. Um, so we're seeing you know, use cases anywhere from EDA to software development to media and entertainment to archives. Um, we're also starting to see people look at it more as a solution for home directories. Uh, and with the home directory use case, it's more of the I need more than 100 terabytes, right? Um, in, in one place, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, in you know, in an easy way for people to access a single bucket. Uh, so, previous releases prior to 9.3 were not completely ready for home directories, and 9.3 is getting there. So, we have like things like queue trees, uh, so you can actually isolate users to certain folders. That way, um, we have things like antivirus scanning. Uh, we have things like Snapball to be able to back it up to a remote site and have asynchronous snapshot replication. So this, it's getting closer to where we have this, this home uh, use, use case. Uh, so we are missing some things like F-Policy. Uh, we are missing quota enforcement right now. And once we start to get that stuff in place and the feature parity down, you'll start to see the home directory use case skyrocket. Yeah, because that's quite an interesting idea that, you know, I, I suppose it's, uh, you know, and we've seen in some, we've spoken to people here and, and some of our customers around that kind of, they have, strange and unique uses for and, and it is just the idea I just want one place I, I don't want to have to worry about architecting some other solution that makes it look like I've got one one big volume actually just one one big volume mm -hmm. and so in the way you deploy flex uh, a flex group is, is there a 
is there anything that somebody would have to do differently? Is there a reactor? Are we just using the same management techniques? We're just using the same same technology architectures? So we've learned lessons from the past with new uh, technologies and new containers. So if you think about ONTAP, if you're familiar with the old days, we used to have something called the traditional volume, which was essentially what the aggregate is today. And what we did was we you know, created the FlexVol to have a virtualized container to be able to segment your storage space up a little better than what we had in previous ONTAP releases. And this is way back in the 6.0 days, right, 7.0 days. Um, when we did that, the, the conversion to a FlexVol required you to copy data in, and it was kind of a painful thing. Um, and then you look at like the evolution in the clustered on tap and you know the, this, having to get over clustered on tap initially was kind of painful. We've made that story a lot better. So with the flex group, um, we're looking at making that story a lot uh, easier to take. So for the initial deployments, we're doing the system manager support right out the bat. Uh, it's a single page. Hmm. You don't have to worry about dealing with all these different member volumes and how to place it. Um, if you want to be more granular for those guys who like to go in and customize, you can do that. Um, Unlike infinite volume, you can actually have more than one flex group in an SVM. You can also have it coexist with other flex balls. So we were able to use a, a flex group like a flex ball. We can mount flex groups to other flex groups. We can mount flex balls to flex groups. So we're treating this like a true uh, container that we've always had, but we just underneath the covers, we've basically masked what's going on so that you, know, you don't have to think about it. Um, we are looking at the flex group as the future of you know being the default container for ONTAP. So you know, okay, right. So I mean, flex balls are, are great, and they're going to stick around for a long time, and they are the basis of a flex group. But for for the future, when we start getting more feature parity, and you, and you want to scale out file system, you're going to look at a flex group, and that's going to be what you use initially in most cases, right? Um, so as far as the conversion process or, or you know migrating to it, you know currently it is a, a file-based migration, so you'd have to actually do a copy. But we are looking at in the in the future doing an in-place conversion of a flex ball to a flex group, to you know, like I said, learn the lessons from the past where we had to like, go from trad balls to flex balls, right? We don't want to have that situation where people just basically just throw their hands up and leave because they don't want to deal with it. We want to make this transition as easy as possible. So right now we're targeting people that are just net new, or they they are looking to migrate to get that larger footprint. Uh, but you know, as we get feature parity and people are going to want to start using this on a regular basis. We're going to have paths to the flex group that's going to make it easier for you to get there without having to deal with all the, the transition and migration headaches. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it sounds like it's quite a, bit of a lot of thought of has clearly already gone into that, you know, and certainly when I've seen uh, how you implement this, you know, you, it is almost a choice that says, am I doing a flex group or am I doing a flex file? If I want to do standard volume, I can do that. If I want to do a flex group, and from what you're saying, you know, that whole thing, that whole process behind that, that just gets handled under the yeah. covers. I'm not thinking about, well, how many volumes do I need to size this for? I'm just saying, just make me a flex group, and yeah. it gets on with it. Yeah, just, it just does it for you. You know, we want to we want to really redefine how you know, ONTAP itself has been, you know, handling the simplicity aspect. Because one of the knocks about clustered ONTAP for the longest time was just, it's hard. Yeah. Especially for people who weren't used to ONTAP in general. And then even with seven mode users, they were like, that's hard. I don't understand this new concept because they were always used to these siloed, single node or HA pair things. Whereas clustered ONTAP was a clustered architecture and they had to learn a new thing. So, you know, masking a lot of that, making it a lot simpler to deploy and, and implement, you know, everything from flex groups to, to, you know, the application aware data management pieces, the provisioning templates. Um, so that you can kind of cover all use cases, whether it's somebody yeah. who loves getting in there and, and learning everything, or somebody that just wants to deploy storage. Yeah, and, and we and we talked on the on the previous episode about actually one of the, the, the issues that people come across is a lack of resource. You know, they they you know they they're too busy and too stretched to want to spend a lot of time, you know, 
twiddling knobs on to, to get the best out of something. They just want to be deploy it, forget it, let it get on with it. Yeah. So that they can get on and go other value things. Because actually, if you don't give them that, then they're probably never going to deploy it. You know, and is that some of the thinking behind that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And we, you know, we listen to people when they say, you know, this stuff needs to be easier. And I mean, the reality of it is, you have a day job, and it, the day job is not to manage NetApp, right? It's to manage NetApp and everybody else. Mm. Um, so if we can make that part of your day job easier, you don't, you know, and not have to go home and read manuals and tinker around in, in the, the vSIMs and that sort of thing, all the better. So is there any, um, it just got me thinking, and, and, and I'm going to ask this question and I really don't know the answer to it. Um, so is there, um, is it, in, so if I'm an administrator and managing a VMware estate, I've got a vCenter box there, you know, are flex groups something that I could use for holding my data stores and would it be, if I could, be something it would be just completely invisible at the VMware level, I'd just be able to get on with my day job of administering VMware, I guess. So, so the VMware use case is pretty interesting because it does provide the ability to present a large data store and then have multiple volumes behind that to kind of give you parallelized access. Um, however, there are some uh, considerations to make today. So there are some missing features like FlexClone, uh, the ability to back that up. Uh, so if you want to back up your VMs, you know, go with the FlexBall for now, right? Uh, copy offload, so VAI support, and then vSphere integration, you know, having all that in there. Um, that said, there's no technical reason why you can't set it up. We actually have some customers that are kind of on that cutting edge and doing it. Um, you do want to be careful with how you uh, deploy it initially because you want to make sure those member volumes are large enough to handle the VMs you're putting in there because those are files that grow over time. Yep. Uh, so, you know, when you do the, the VM deployment, make sure you thinly provision those VMs. Don't do thick provisioning because, uh, you know, unless you want to guarantee the space maybe like to ensure they don't grow too big. Um, but yeah, you want you definitely want to think about the space allocation because with a flex group, if you start to fill that member volume up, it can create problems for other member volumes. Uh, we are alleviating some of that uh, in 9.3 with the volume auto-grow functionality. So as a member volume gets full, it'll grow the volume to prevent an out-of-space issue. But you don't want to sit there and just grow your volume you know, infinitely, right? You want to have yeah. a cap, especially for people that are doing like kind of service provider work where they have SLAs and they have you know, contracts where I'm going to give you X, this, X number of storage you know, gigabytes for this much money. I can't just be giving you free gigabytes because I'm, I'm a nice guy, right? So uh, yeah, I mean, so to, you know, short answer, virtualization is possible. Uh, do it with caution. We haven't tested it fully yet ourselves because we want to have all the features there first. But you know, it's it's coming if you, if you're not ready to do it today. Uh, another thing to consider is no 4.1 support. So if you're doing ESX and 4.1, you're going to want to wait because we haven't support that yet. That's NFS 4.1, yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So um, so I mean, it does sound like, you know, th th there's a real interesting use case around this, and you, and you can see how. And, and some of the things you've talked about are things I hadn't thought about, you know, that obviously that performance stuff, but also that simplification of yeah. the way you manage your, your storage. And, and, you know, I think that's some, some real nice thinking around that. So, so if people have listened to this and, you know, and feel that they've maybe got use cases that where, where something like a flex group might sit, how do they go and find more about flex groups? Well, we have blogs, so you can go to the, new, the NetApp newsroom, so newsroom.netapp.com. There's kind of like a general overview blog, and there's like some other th information out there, the new features in 9.3. Um, if you want a deeper technical look at flex groups, you want TR4557 or TR4571. Um, and if you're into the EDA side of things, the electronic design automation, we have a best practices guide for that at TR4616. 
Uh, so check those out. Um, if we have a podcast, uh, techcontactpodcast.com, episode 46, where we talk about flex groups. Um, there, you know, we have a podcast where we talk about big data and Hadoop with uh, with Karthik, who's the guy who does all that. So you want to check that out if you, if you can. I don't remember the episode number for that one. Forgive me. Right. Um, and uh, you know, just if you have general questions and you want to reach out to us, you can find us at flexgroups-info at netup.com. And, uh, and if people want to reach out to you particularly uh, about this, how do they find you on the social medias? Uh, uh, NFS Dudabide on Twitter, and uh, my blog is whyistheinternetbroken.com. Okay, Justin, thanks for that. That's a really interesting topic, and um, you know, and the technology, I think, will be, will be interesting to see how that develops and, and how people use it. So um, thanks, Justin. Appreciate your time. All right, thank you. Hope you enjoyed that 50th episode of Tech Interviews. For show notes, pop over to techstringy.com. We'll also find all of our previous 49 shows. Next time, we take on the challenge of designing the future, as I'm joined by Rory McBride and Jason Benedicic as we talk next-gen technologies. So to make sure you catch that show, why not subscribe? You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, as well as all other good homes of podcasts. And hey, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review, and that'll help others to find us too. So until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>